All right, guys, this is a brand new episode. I'm super excited for this. Continuing the Garage Band series, I have for this third episode this amazing guest, Josh Staples. He is, I mean, you can tell I fanboyed out here quite a bit because I'm a huge fan. Before I knew of his music, I was a huge fan of his podcast, Forever Midnight, which we talk about. But not only that, um, he's just a hilarious dude, a really nice guy. He's also coming to this city, Grand Rapids, July 3rd, Independence Eve, to play a show with his band Loma Prieta at the Pyramid Scheme. And he literally blows the top of my head off with a reveal probably about 45 so minutes into this interview where we're talking specifically about his past in music and he's just a really great guy so please support him check out his bands the velveteen the new trust and also as i mentioned his band coming loma prieta and i couldn't have been more excited to have him on and hopefully again have him on again he's a really like i said really great really funny really down-to-earth dude and uh without further ado here we go
All right. I am joined with the lovely Josh Staples. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing very well. I was just uh, playing housewife to the new trust. Oh. The girls were working today, and I uh, and I made a lasagna for when they got home, and it was great. Ooh, what what what, what was on the lasagna? It is a, a veggie lasagna. It was a couple different types of uh, fake sausages. There was a couple beyonds, a couple morning stars. What was left in the freezer? Oh, right on. And then uh, we use the of uh, the uh, like the no bake noodles, so we don't give a shit. It's like they're crack. We just you know. Ricotta on some crackers, mm. uh, put it in there, and um, it's it was awesome. We got uh, we got this recipe that we've been honing oh, over nice. here at the house. See, I I don't know about you, but after like a big lasagna dinner or something like that, I'm I'm ready to just pass out. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I if I keep you too long, just let me know. But it's oh a- no, it's okay. I had a very thin slice to get to prep for this, just to keep me so I wasn't <laughs> cracky when on this mic. Well, it's amazing to hear your voice, obviously. um, So this is the Garage Band series where I'm interviewing musicians and stuff. And, you know, spoiler alert, Josh is going to be coming to my fair city to play a show soon. So I will have the episode out before then. But I know of Josh because of his incredible podcast, Forever Midnight. Oh, thank you. And it's... It's one of these interesting situations. There's a bit of a backstory to this because as a mailman, I like to spend my days uh, listening to podcasts or music. And I was out on my route and literally listening to Josh's podcast when I walked into a coffee shop that I delivered to on my route. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, this, you know, I'm listening to these charming fellas over on the West Coast. And here I am in the Midwest walking into a coffee shop and running into the drummer pretty much on the, <laughs> on the right. regular at the time, which was bizarre because when she asked me what I was listening to and I said Forever Midnight, it was like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and I thought she was, you know, I thought it was a joke, but lo and behold, there was that connection there with Julia, right? Yeah, Jules. Yeah. yeah. That is funny because... Um, I first we we first talked because you messaged me and said, "Holy shit! I just noticed that I missed your show in Grand Rapids at this cafe." Yeah, and oddly enough, I had seen you walk in when I was when I first arrived in Grand Rapids and was at the cafe just <laughs> chilling with Jules. And I saw you walk in. You had your headphones on. You were smiling. You yeah. handed her some mail. You got the fuck out. And then I put a flyer up that weekend, and you missed the show entirely. <laughs> but it's totally crazy because I. As soon as you messaged me and said, I'm the mailman in Grand Rapids, <laughs> I was like, I, I know who, what this dude looks like. I've seen you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had I had the, the I, I'm almost positive. So, and a little behind the scenes, I during the time I met Josh, and we did inevitably get to, I got a chance to play with the New Trust, amazing band, and it was a huge honor. But I was, at the time, I was in the throes of the end of my marriage, and mm. I think the last time I saw Josh, I was on the outside of the bar. We were hanging out afterwards, and I was three sheets of the wind, just kind of looking, seeing some tracers, and said, you know what? Instead of saying goodbye and burping my dinner all over myself, I will just slowly <laughs> meander into an alleyway and fall asleep or something. Oh, good God. It was, it was a rough night, but. That was a fun show. It that was, was a really fun show, yeah. It was fun. 
it was a lot of fun. But I do want everybody that's listening, I know this is a music show, please check out Forever Midnight. They're phenomenal. Jeff, Brian, Josh, amazing show. Thank you. And we all are, you know, we're musical dudes as that's well. That's true. So Jeff, Jeff is in a, re- a really amazing band called State Faults these days. Oh, And he's okay. been previously in a band called Litany for the Whale, who were excellent. And he's always been, we've always been playing shows together and in bands uh, adjacent to each other. Now, is that kind of how Forever Midnight got started? Were, were the other two guys also in bands or just kind of band adjacent? Was it one of those yeah. things? I mean, Jeff and I have known each other forever playing music since probably around, shoot, since probably the early 2000s. Oh, and wow. he, And pre- previous to that, Brian and I had gone on tour together. Uh, and he was on tour with a band called Benton Falls, who were like a Deep Elm emo band. Oh. Really great band. Nice. Um, and if, check them out if you haven't before. There's a record called Guilt Beats Hate, which is unreal. Um, but they have, and Brian went on tour as their merch dude. So we all, and I was in a band called Edeline, who were also emo 90s kind of band. Oh, nice. And we went up the West Coast together playing shows. And that's how I got to meet Brian and get to know Brian a bit. And he was just such a fun, funny dude. And we had horror movies in common. So we would oh, always yeah. sneak off and talk about those. And same with Jeff. Jeff and I had horror movies in common. So just that we all had those things in common and would were not tolerated talking about it with either our normie friends or our partners in life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, it's funny because I leaned into, and that's part of how I found your podcast and you guys was that during that time, it was like I'd stay up late and I didn't want to watch anything about love. I just wanted to watch all the Friday the 13th movies front to back, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and then find like the most bogus B horror shit out there. So it was nice because I, it, you guys kind of facilitated that and being able to listen to you guys just crack jokes. It was like I had these buddies who I could listen to, but music, 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 music. <laughs> it's hard. Cause I, I'm fanboying out a little bit. So, Oh, no, I appreciate it. Dude. Thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, I always love to hear that people are entertained by it. Cause it is, it's something that I went back and started listening to the old earlier episodes just cause to get an idea of what 10 years ago was like. Cause we started the podcast 10 years ago and I was like, man, we are some stiff ass fucking jerks on these mics. We just didn't know, not know what we were doing. And we were like, I don't know what we were trying for. Like, and thinking about it back then, like we have lots of listeners now, but back then I was like, we didn't, no one was listening. Like it was a, you know, you know how it is when you start a podcast oh, from yeah. scratch, like you have to build that shit. And it was, um, it's funny to see the things we were trying and the angles we were going for. We do like 10 movies in a show. Yeah. What a non-economical way to, to <laughs> make a podcast that was. We since wisened up and now we do one movie each episode because we're not trying to, You're not trying to stretch to- it out. Right. You don't want to race to the finish. You want to have places to go. I also, I have this sneaking assumption that you, you could also do a podcast about like all the John Hughes movies or like, I'm ready for it. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm actually, I have a, I have an outline for a show. I won't get into it, but I will let you know about it when it goes down. Cause I I have some pretty sweet interviews that no one will ever care about ready to go. I will. I, I I think it'd be phenomenal. I'm just saying, um, shit. I mean, talk about music. That is kind of like, that's how I got into music as a really, as a, as like a teenager, you know, adolescent, I was like buying these soundtracks, like pretty and pink came out when I was 11. Yeah. So the pretty and pink soundtrack had 
the first ever New Order song I ever heard and the Echo and the Bunnyman and all these other tracks I'd never heard before. That's how I got into music were these essentially comps. Yeah. And these comps were like, of course, I was already into Prince and I was already into like shit like that because I was just the perfect age for it. But um, I heard Yellow because of fucking Ferris Bueller's Day Off and be- and I went back in the catalog and there's killer, weird yellow records by this swiss band that speaks both french and german and also speaks english and what a cool band that was they were residents adjacent because they were on ralph records like what a cool world of music and that's how i found out about all kinds of european bands and john hughes had great taste in music so it was easy to like i have a just be influenced hearing that i have a slight movie recommend for you if you've never seen tough turf oh i got the soundtrack right here on the shelf dog (laughs) fucking I, Jack yeah. White, is it Jack White and a Heart Attack? Is the soundtrack? Uh no, it, I'm trying to think of the guy. He I, it, he, he Jack was based Mack on the, and the Heart Attack. Well, Tough Turf is um, the movie with Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader, and Robert Downey Jr. is playing the backing band to the guy that the B- Basketball Diaries was based on. If I'm not, oh Jim Carroll, yeah, yes, yeah, Jim Carroll, true, yeah, he's in there too. But there is there's a band that that just like. <laughs> I was I forget what I called him, but but as soon as I saw the movie for the first time, I was like, dude, what is this band called? Like fucking red faced jerk and the sunburnt idiots or something like I forget what I was calling them, but they're not that far off. They're called yeah. Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just recently saw that that band was also did the soundtrack to something else I just saw. Something killer. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Jack Mack and the Heart Attack made their way around Los Angeles. I love Tough Turf. That's a crazy movie. And James Spader's rarely a good guy, and he's killer in it. Yeah, I, I, huge recommend if you anybody out there who hasn't seen it. The soundtrack's great, and it's it's a time capsule. Like that's yeah. that's my thing too. With like again, why I loved rewatching the Friday the Thirteenth during that era was just like, oh, I can go right to the nineteen eighties and then nineteen eighty two or nineteen eighty three and just relive my childhood with some fun, you know shenanigans but yeah oh i did the same thing with police academy the other day and i'm remembering <laughs> that is the movie that jack mack and the heart attack did the soundtrack for it was three i think oh nice 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 yeah. whatever happened Back to screening whatever happened to steve gutenberg did he just like fall off a cliff somewhere the gutenberg oh he showed up in something i saw maybe it was i showed up in something i saw i was like whoa steve gutenberg's maybe it was entourage i forget something uh. he was playing himself but he um he's talking about doing another police academy movie for the last five years that just hasn't panned out for him Oh boy. I'd watch it. I'd watch I, the shit out of it. <laughs> the curiosity would kill me. Um, all right. So music. So you, you, you're, you're now let me, I know you're, you're a bit older than I am. So you were raised primarily as a little guy, probably late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, totally. Okay. I was born okay. in 73. So I was listening to like you know, the radio when I was growing up was like Wings, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that kind of shit. So that's my first memories of listening to radio. Okay. You know, kind of shit like that. Like, easy rock. We're talking okay. like AM gold style. And then some of the, and Stevie Wonder, some of the best, the best era for like R&B and soul as far as my, I'm concerned. Were you like pretty influenced by like punk bands during that era too? Or was it just uh, like... Oh, not, not at all. Not really? at all really. Because at that time, I mean, I was in 83, I was 10. Oh, like, okay. I didn't turn 10 until like late. I was born too late for like the bands I ended up loving, like Black Flag and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, seeing yeah. these bands early on, like the Cramps. I didn't get to see the Cramps as a teenager, but oh, shit. I, I, I was born too late for that shit. But I would have loved to have seen Black Flag. That's one band I wish I'd seen. Are you, uh, but, do you keep up with Henry Rollins and like his shenanigans? 
<laughs> not so much. <laughs> not the non-musical shenanigans, but I I have every Rollins band record up here and all the Henrietta Collins and all the okay. all that stuff. I love it. I love Rollins. Um because he's, I just like his self-effacing nature, and that's one thing that always appealed to me. Like this dude, this crazy, crazy big ball dude is talking about jerking off, and that <laughs> appeals to me. I get um, it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I I do love those those records. But it wasn't until like again, like until shit. When did I get into punk? I think it was probably the first show I actually really ever saw was Replacements play here in <sighs> Santa Rosa. And oh, most of the people wow. who I tell that to do that exact same thing that you did. <laughs> oh my God. I see. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a late bloomer. I, when I got Spotify and um, now I use pr- pretty much bounce between that and YouTube music. Um, it's, it's like, I, I kind of would put myself on these, especially after my split up from my ex-wife, I would, basically spend a whole week and deep dive into a catalog of a band I never really listened to. Um, mm-hmm. I was raised primarily on like prog rock Genesis. Uh, yes. That's my shirt. Oh, but, yeah. Um, oh yeah. But like, as I got older and started playing in bands, I started to really want to go back and see like why everybody was wearing, like, why is everybody wearing a sex pistols shirt or referencing a replacement specifically, mm-hmm. man, I love that band and I'm at the point now where I'm watching those old live videos like fuck I wish yeah. I, and then hearing you say that it's just like it's like the perfect time to hear that and be like so incredibly jealous but truthfully dude I had no idea what I was seeing I was like yeah. 13 maybe and a friend of my my best friend's older brother took us to see it and and like it was the place we saw it at was like it was a quarter full. It was oh, this giant wow. theater here in Santa Rosa that was just not, just no one knew what they were seeing. It was for the Please to Meet Me tour, and uh, it was it was um it was. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was just I was just up there trying to like mosh like a yeah. dummy because I had <laughs> seen some other like I was just ma- making it miserable for everybody. Um, they threatened to kick me out of the place. I was just a dumb. I mean, I was thirteen. Yeah, you're, you're an idiot. Yeah, but um, I didn't know what I was seeing, and I but I did get the record. I dated the girl whose dad ran the venue here called Katati Cabaret, so we got to see some shows. One, we saw the Smithereens play. Oh. She was seeing like Chili Peppers and Operation Ivy all the time, and I was like, just didn't. I was more. I would go see shows in my really local venue, which is the Phoenix Theater in my town, and we'd I'd see all the local punk bands, and then eventually like. The bigger bands have come through. Violent Femmes came through in like 1990, and wow. uh, we saw No Means No would come through a lot. So that was a band that was a huge influence on me. As soon as I saw No Means No, I was like, okay, this is the kind of punk I'm into. Because I was like, always listening to like the Banshees and the Cure and that kind of stuff on my own time. I'm leaving out the things I was also listening to, like George <laughs> Michael and Prince and fucking. You know, the stuff that I, I truly I, love and see, still listen to. <laughs> I I'm the same way. Like it's like. I'll be like, yeah, you know, Radiohead, OK Computer is one of my favorite records. Uh, Shiner, The Egg, Hum, Downward is Heavenward. And then it's like, but probably Genesis, <laughs> you know, like right, a bunch exactly. of Genesis records, if I'm being honest. Um, so I love hearing all this. So when was the first time that you actually picked up an instrument or got the inkling to do so? Well, my parents were musical. Um, my mom's a cellist and oh, my wow. dad was a guitar player and <clears throat> harmonica and piano player. And they were aspiring songwriters as a hobby. 
Like they would write songs. My mom would play piano. My dad would write lyrics. And they would write some interesting songs, songs I that are truly lost. Like I don't have any recordings of them anymore, but I have memories of them. Like I know how they go. Um, but they, so that we had a, always had a piano in the house, always had guitars in, in the house and that kind of stuff. So I would always pick it up and it wasn't until I, until I was probably 13, until I tried to learn songs when I was with friends and I'd be like, I can play this stupid fucking blues thing and you can recite your dumb poetry over it. And that's our band now. <laughs> And those are the people that it would I would eventually start a first band with to like you know six years later. Nice. So um, was that your first like I, I, I the couple times I've talked with guys in their initial like first bands, did you know like okay this is legitimate like we're gonna plan a tour we're gonna record or what what was your drive at well oh, yeah the first band I was ever in I mean the first time I ever started writing songs like that weren't just formulaic songs like i would just play something and it was unique to my sensibilities and not like a blues thing or something stupid (laughs) that i just like knew how to play instinctually that was like that clicked you know you have these different levels of click i'm writing something that is sure it's not totally original but we were like jane's addiction fans and you know this is like late 80s and we were writing things that were like that same kind of weird vibe like i was using a wah-wah pedal on a bass and a guitar player was doing funky things and that was i'm like we're writing something that is not that probably hasn't been written before like that's you know when you're doing something unique and that clicked somewhere and then uh i joined an existing band that was a fan of that were all these older goth dudes called the morticians and i was 16 years old and they needed the bass player so i'm like i have a bass guitar and i have um and I would like to buy an app. So let's put one on layaway and I'll join your band at 16. And they're all like 20. And, uh, w- but that was not a thing where we'd tour. Like we played maybe one show out of the county and we played like a few shows a year. And I was in the band for a couple years. What was that but like we did, with the age gap um, and all that? Oh, it was fine. I, I mean, I, I knew them pretty well. Somehow I had, somehow I was the guy that drove everybody everywhere. And somehow I practice was at my house and shit. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Um, but I was in that band until I was like 18, maybe 19. And we recorded our first tape in 1990. I think it was 1990, 1991. Okay. And it was six, seven songs. And it was, we had a studio, a a dude come over and bring his tape machine to our house. And we did it in our practice studio. And it was like, just fascinating. Just like, I couldn't believe we were doing it. Um, do you still have that tape? Oh Yeah. I'll send you a copy. I got like oh, I got a sure. box in the basement still oh. somehow. I've never thrown anything away, Ryan. I never. That's, I will not throw a thing away. That is good. And I, there's a difference between being like a hoarder, and being somebody like creatively who can keep those things. Like I, I, I feel like I was the first person. Like as soon as Dropbox became a thing, I'm like, yes, throw it all up there. I want all the folders. Every single project, like I had to go back and I, I found like demos I did in the Navy because I was in the Navy for a, a fat, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's invaluable to like, I mean, like really, really keep those things, those, those and archive those things. I mean, it's stuff that people love. Like I saw a picture just the other day of uh, me and my brother playing in a band from like 13 years ago. And it was just like, Oh, this is so awesome! Just to to yeah. remember, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, yeah, that was um, and that's that does help you too. Like, I mean, if you're putting things out and you're, I do, 
I have flyers that remind me of when certain bands started. Like I, you know, when is the first show this band played? I'm like, I, I remember in my head, I drew the flyers. So it's September of 1992 was the first show that this band played. And I was like chameleon, like in the bands I would join too. Like I had, my, that was the morticians were one band and simultaneously I was in a ska band on oh, bass in a, <laughs> in like a 1992 ska band and it oh, was wow. fun for we play shows together which is hilarious this dark like we were like the morticians were like a pink floydy kind of goth band if you mix christian death and pink floyd that was the morticians <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i for some reason i was just picturing the band specimen i don't know if you ever heard of them or anything oh yeah, but, I, like, yeah I have some I, specimen record yeah, there too yeah yeah i was just picturing oh. that in my head for some reason but um, no, that's I, I could our guitar player Olin looked like he was in specimen for sure. Oh, perfect, perfect, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, God, and uh, I didn't even mention it yet, but I was actually a huge fan of Litany for the Whales. That that was the name of it, right? They had a MySpace, yeah. I remember seeing it and being like, Holy shit, and then connecting it because uh, I think it, Michael Conrad, who was a mm-hmm. guest on your show, was the singer for that band. That's right, singer and guitar <sighs> player, yeah. It's like, see, and that's Jeff's. Yeah, that's Jeff's band. <clears throat> and that the cool band too. They they had a they started out with a fully different lineup than the one that ended up. And then they recorded a big long record that ended up getting pared down to just the acoustic song that's on that Dolores record. Oh wow! But they did a, they did a lot of work. In fact, the guy, my boss, was at the brewery I work at was the original drummer of that band. They oh, they were killer. They did a lot. They did a little touring and um, they were a great band. I, I wanted to just throw that out there. I didn't mean to derail you completely, but I just like oh, not at all. I'm I'm just thinking of because of all the little connections. It's 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 interesting to me how how many there are to be made. It's a small world, basically. Yeah, well, um, true. The, and the the first litany for the whale show was them opening up a new trust show, and I did the album artwork for the litany dolores record i so love that all, everything's connected yeah i, oh, I thank think you. i think i bought that from well that's i mean you probably i mean it's the one with the black and white with a woman's face yes on it. yes so the woman woman's face is my friend schley who's a musician here in santa rosa and that was drawn by chris taylor from malady and uh you know uh from those bands okay um but and uh, Pygmy Lush in those bands. Oh but God, it's, I love uh, Pygmy Lush too. Yeah, so the singer w- did, did uh, the actual drawing of of Ashley, and then I did the layout because that's just as I I'm I I do a lot of album design, but mostly because I have printed so many album covers. Everyone gives their album design to me at the end to be like, put this in a template and make sure it doesn't print like shit. And that's my <laughs> specialty. You're just a jack of all trades, man. So I'm a I'm a print specialist. So that's. By, by trade so that's good that's awesome i, I can help, i can help bands that way well it's in i mean that's that's like half the half the battle i especially when you first started now was that something that you predominantly did for that first band like where you mentioned the flyers but did you do a lot oh of yeah them? yeah for sure so yeah i did like i mean those were late night kinko's paste up jobs for sure like oh, and i still have i think i might even still have the actual paste up somewhere but those are, I worked at a Kinko's as a young person, so I would, everything was free. Nice. <laughs> we had giant holdouts and it, yeah, it's, it's, you'll see it. You'll see it when I send you the tape, but it's, oh, I did a lot of drawings and then shrunk them down. So they were like really compromised quality wise, but hey, they came out good. I, you know what? I, I, I never could get that down. I mean, if it was my thing, it would have just been like 
something that I threw together in Microsoft Paint with Times New Roman font on it that looked <laughs> like dog shit. So my I hat's off. too. <laughs> well, that was when I broke free from from. There's that that learning curve when you stop doing paste ups and drawing letters, then you like, oh, it's so much easier just to make Times New Roman look like fuzzy dog shit. <laughs> Oh man. So what, what, when do you, would you say like, was your first moment that you were like really kind of achieving that goal of being in a band and like making it out on the road and like putting on a release hmm. that you felt really proud of? Uh, that was probably the, the ska band that we, that I joined. I eventually left the, the goth band, stayed with the ska band because I had closer friends in, in that band and it, like the idea of writing for instruments that I couldn't play was really fun. So I would write yeah. horn parts with friends and, um, and then we put out a CD, which is a huge step, you know, compact disc in 1994 is crazy. Totally. So yeah. um, we toured the CD plant. We did all that stuff. We had to like really were hands on um, because the internet wasn't really a thing. We were making calls and sending, you know, I remember getting the master CD to send to the guy it cost 50 bucks to burn a compact disc. Oh I had to pay fifty God. bucks so I can get a compact disc. Wow! <laughs> I know. I mean, I and feel that like was now you could bargain. just like pick them up for free. I, I don't know anybody who burns CDs anymore. <laughs> Everything's in the air, or it's on a stick, or it's in our brains already. Who knows? But yeah, like exactly, it, it, yeah. It that reminds me of that that era because so I want to say now I knew. I knew going into this that you were because my brother is a fan was a fan and came and saw you guys uh, playing in the Velveteen. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it it sounds like there were kind and, and obviously we played together with your band the New Trust. Mm-hmm. Was it was it early on that you were kind of tasked with vocals or were you usually a backup vocalist? Did you write a lot of vocals? I was writing lyrics, but not singing lead in the band, in the, in the ska band. The ska band was called The Conspiracy, which I'm sure there's 10 bands called The Conspiracy <laughs> in the 90s. But um, it was, it was a, a pretty fun band, and, we, and there was a rotating cast. So it was my best friend Dave, and then me, and then a rotating cast of, of people. For seven, six, seven years we were in that band, from 1992 until 1998. That's a good era and, to be in a ska band. I mean, oh, it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus, you probably like you. You mentioned it, but I, I, I'm assuming the other guys might have been just a tad bit too self serious. So being in a ska band might have been more of like, "Hey guys, let's yeah, be buds." Some levity, yeah, exactly <laughs> for sure. And and even then, we were doing some serious music too. Like it was, it wasn't like, you know, it was kind of like we were doing. I was trying to use our own influences. Dave was always my best friend. Dave was always like a big clash guy a big specials guy so he introduced me to so much great music like the best bands of that time and then i was into like you know just weirder darker music so we tried to inject that and then of course we did all the corny things the ska band's gonna do in the 90s but it was uh it was a really great experience to like play with people of all types people from all over when we got the travel as far as colorado like and we all diy booked it all ourselves had no agent had no label nothing that's awesome and and we did that and learned how to do that by literally like the getting book your own fucking life the old magazine and just like going through it and booking it was it was it just a matter of calling or did you have to like like how did you go about that was it just like because mostly phone calls yeah Yeah. mostly phone calls and sending you know envelopes of full of stuff out to people 
and then waiting for calls back. And but you know, if you if you those days you'd reach someone on the phone and you were kind of in. Yeah. No one would answer the phone and say like, "Oh yeah, what day? There's like <laughs> opening. Yeah. Oh, How about them? You want to do both days? You want to do two nights in a row? Be like, what? <laughs> Hell yeah! So it was like pretty easy to do the Colorado, Arizona, like New Mexico loop, Seattle, or you know, from where I'm at. You, once you leave the northern California area, it's six hours, seven hours to get anywhere. So once you start, once you get that far, you're kind of like you can bump around. It's not. It's nothing like out in the Midwest where you're two hours to another major city every time you it's, get on the highway, which is nice. It's great. Like <laughs> bands here love it. I mean, I, the only not that you have always been in ska bands, but the ska band from here is Mustard Plug, and mm. we're friends with a lot of those guys. They're really great guys. Oh yeah. Um, we recorded uh, Glassfield recorded our seven inch at Rick Johnson's uh, studio, Cold War Studios here in Grand Rapids, and um. Nate, their drummer's great. Every everybody in the, in the in this community is super knowledgeable too. And as far as like, yeah, like you said, two hours to Chicago, like mm-hmm. three and a half to Cincinnati. There's 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 a lot of jumping off points. And I remember that specifically because for some reason, well, I yeah, my dad my dad wanted to gamble. So for my senior year graduation gift, he flew us me and him out to Vegas so he could do that. And I, I just wandered around smoking Marlboro Reds. And then we drove to California just because it was like, Hey, I'm going to show you the PCH. And mm-hmm. I remember distinctly my first, my first thoughts about California was there's nothing here and it's desert. And then all of a sudden it's just lush along the coast. And yeah. I just remember thinking like, I, I, I know up North it's, it's a different, different animal, but like specifically that first, era of like thinking how did kids have fun here what what do they do you know um but you you said that you you started calling to book shows you yeah. start playing shows was it was it one of those things where you you guys had like really good tours good jaunts and stuff like that it was i mean it was all diy we never were on a tour with another band for any length of time like we we jumped on Honestly, one of the first shows we played outside of our town was in Fresno with Mustard Plug playing at the this place oh. that was uh, with a Let's Go Bowling's uh, venue they had. They would always book. I forget what it's called. Maybe Fred's. It was in Fresno. And um, I remember being like, okay, I'm buying this Mustard Plug CD because I worked at a record store too, so I could get any CD that was on there. I did all the ordering of indie shit. So, um, And they were on a, we were on a comp together. We were on this Moon Records, Moon Ska comp called Skarmageddon. Believe it, dog. (laughs) (laughs) I love the names of those things. It's for sure. It was like a two CD set. So like getting on that thing after our first recording was clutch because all of a sudden we had, there were 50 bands that we had telephone numbers for, you know, like all their numbers were inside that thing. So we would reach out to those bands and that got us all over. Like that definitely got us through Arizona. Every city in Arizona had their own band and we'd play with like, they, we'd reach out to the bands and they would book everything for us. And vice versa. When they came through our town, we'd be booking uh, their shows. So it was it was really reciprocal, and it was fun to meet a bunch of bands. We played with uh, the band that really became close, uh, fast friends with us with a band called Slow Gherkin from Santa Cruz, who are an Asian man band. And when we first played with that band, it was that same trip. That, and it might have been the show before we bumped into those guys. They were like all 16, 17 years old. <laughs> James, the singer of that band, was playing drums and singing at the time. And Oh, wow. Like We've remained really close friends with those guys for, shoot almost 30 years it's crazy wow. 
That's awesome. Oh, 30, shit, 30 years. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, but it's um it's it was interesting to get out there and I mean I was I didn't care what I, what kind of music I was playing. I was playing the same style bass I've always played. It was busy, it was sloppy, it was, you know, <laughs> loud. And so that was and eventually um for whatever reason I became the singer. I was singing songs. I had some ideas I didn't want to I didn't want to give away. I was like the song I like the song too much. I want to I want to sing it. Right on. And it wasn't until I would like hole away and do it without anybody else looking that I found out that I could. And then um, eventually the band would always change shape. The singer, my best friend Dave, left to do other things. And I ended up singing lead for the last couple of years. Nice. And it was, uh, I was like, holy shit, I can do that. I can do this. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. It was a cool ex- experiment. 1998, we broke up. And then for the rest of the 90s, early 2000s, I would join a band and then <laughs> break that band up. And then. <laughs> Join that band and then break that band up. I did that with this band, this band called Adeline, who are really gr- a great, great band. And we put out a live record, and we put out a uh, a full length album on Law of Inertia, and then we broke. Like our last show was our record release. Like that's the, record labels love that shit. And then um, we did. I did the same thing with uh, this band called The Wonder Years, not the current Wonder Years, but the. 1999 2000 band wonder years okay we did we met up with this band lawrence arms who are from chicago yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah we did that was the first time i got out past the rocky mountains we did two full u.s tours with those guys and up until about 2001 at which point we split up and then at that time i was already in the velvet teen from 2000 on and they're my local friends so now was it was it was it just circumstances beyond your control, or were you coming in like I've got visions, motherfucks? I'm go- we're flipping this upside down. We're straight edge, or we're fucking heroin addicts. We got to pick a lane and go. Were they just not necessarily? It was, but for some of the bands, no, not necessarily. It was beyond my control. I yeah. I would step in, you know, after the original bass player would leave for whatever reason. Mm. Um. So I think in some people's minds, like. Once your original lineup starts splitting up, dissolving, you you kind of consider any years after that bonus years. And we did a lot of work. I mean, probably more work in the time I was in both of those bands than they had done prior. So it was like we just went for it. And then, you know, when you go for it, you either fucking make it or you break it. And we broke it. <laughs> I'm curious. And 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 I, I don't know how you do you go about this. So when you're in a band, do you go like, hey, I wrote this song, or is it one of those things where you generally write where it's like, hey, we're just kind of jamming, and all of a sudden you go, okay, wait, 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 somebody go back, do this thing again. I say it's kind of the latter with um, the bands, with all the bands I was in that aren't the new trust. Okay. So, the, I mean, the ska band I was in, I would bring in everything. I would, I would bring in these ridiculous pieces of paper that were like, I didn't know how to write music, but I'd be like, I got to teach horn players how to <laughs> play this melody. So it's like the letters E A F G, you know, and it's like the letters are written out because I would pick it out on the piano and I'd prep and I'd get everybody in there. And then the smart guys who took music and actually make it work. Um, but then the other bands I joined, I was tired. I mean, I was over, I'll, I'll take a break from that shit and I'll just like take the back seat and I'll, play bass well and sing backups well and hold it down and drive and be responsible and ah, and I wouldn't say be responsible but I drive and you can make and, lasagna uh, I mean you got yeah. you you can I I, I get that and That's, yeah lasagna is a recent requirement <laughs> I I could not cook for shit but I could get us I could get a sandwich making so I could I could secure food That's True. a good skill to have as a bandmate Well and and I would assume going into those bands too you had 
probably made some connections. You had some flyer making history in there. Yeah, and, I do. I, I would. I mean, in every case, I would do the album layout. I would do. You know, I would help. One thing I'm good at is, and actually, like that I I do for other people is sequencing records. Oh, like nice. if you have you have 15 songs, give them to me. Let me let me give you an idea of how I think they would go best. And there's, I, I don't. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm fucking good at that shit. And nice. I will make a great a, a great sequence, whether you take it or not. But most 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 cases, I tell you what. Now that you've said this, now I'm I really want to try this because I we're recording next month, and I almost want to send you the mixes when we get the songs because i have not i i'm kind of have an idea but it would be interesting to see what you came yeah, up with it's, it's an inter- i didn't know i was good at it until someone said oh help me with this and i was like okay i would take yeah. this and, and i would split it up into two pieces and now it goes at the beginning and it goes at the end of the record and now this is side one and they're like holy shit like i would have never thought to have done that like that was an interlude in the middle and now it's the beginning of the record you're, you're a mixtape sensei you have this you have Thank this you. ability to create soundtracks. Yes. I bet you wrote I bet you had some killer mixes, mixtapes for girls back in the day. Dude, you don't even you can't even imagine. <laughs> you can't even imagine the broken hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so when you sort of kidding, but I'm actually not. No, was, I yeah, know. I'm fucking good at that shit. Yeah. I did the same thing, man. I I'm see, sure. I'm, I'm sure you got uh, the magic touch too. I'd sneak my little hum songs in there, little oh, Jesus, you know, sensitivity, I, sensitivity, little, that Midwest emo thing. It's real, you know. Um, so, all right, so you break up a bunch of bands. You're like, "Fuck you guys!" <laughs> yeah, I I, t- I take your band, I smash it over my knee, I leave. Yep. Um, it, it was not necessarily that. It was always like it was outside of my control for the most part. I was sure. trying to keep it together, but. Um, there was uh, the the other band. That, well, the band, the, the Wonder Years, were, they went on to do amazing things. As soon as I left the band, my friend Caitlin Love and I left the band. They became this band called The Ghost, and they all moved to Chicago. And they're a great, great band. Oh, nice. Um, they went on. They did like a big Thursday tour. They did a lot of great touring. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, and, it's funny because you said that, and immediately I went like in my head to like the Fred Savage TV show. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like my brother was a huge Thursday fan. And I mm-hmm. remember thinking like, is that the, like, now that now I'm piecing it together? Like I'm I'm seeing MySpace pages a lot in my head right now, and that I <laughs> that's mean a, that's a good picture to have in your head. Yeah, I it was mean, a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time to have bands at least. So yeah, we were just talking about that the other day, saying like, you know what's cool about MySpace? So you could reach out and talk to a band that you'd never met before, and they would respond. But also at the same time, actual celebrities had no fucking place there. Right, they weren't. It wasn't like Twitter or like ah, there were. There was like celebrity was currency. Like you could t- actually t- reach out to your bands and talk to them. And it wasn't a bot or like an automatic response. Like yeah, it, right. It, it, it's funny because I I remember there were two bands that sent me their albums on MySpace. One was called Boo and Boo Two, and I loved this <laughs> this band. Amazing. Like put out one record. It sounds like a bunch of drunk college kids, but somehow they churn out this almost like sonic youth album in a studio mm-hmm. and it's one of my favorite like releases of that that era and like i showed it to my brother and we were both like obsessed with it and um there was this other band called cities who put out an album and mm. just randomly they 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 messaged me on there and i was like 
sure, I'll check out. I mean, you can see what I liked, so it's like, you know, maybe I like this. And yeah, it was it was a nice era. There were a lot of bands, and I found a lot of stuff. I mean, now it's nice. There's just such a wealth of it, you know, like podcasts yeah. too. It, there's oh, so sure, yeah. many fucking bands and podcasts. It's nice. It's nice to have a wealth of things to you. You can pick and choose. You can find something new almost every single day to obsess over. But at the same time, it's like I don't want to forget the things that I've, you know, found along the way. So sure, for sure. And that's the thing about these bands that we were touring with in the early two thousands is that they were all like, you could find their stuff on mp3.com. So I'd come home from like a tour and be like, well, let's check this band out. And I'd get, I'd literally just grab the songs and burn them onto a CD and listen to them all the time. Yeah. And there's some, you know, that's how I heard so much great music in the early 2000s. It was, that was pretty inspiring to have the digital access to all the music you'd ever need. It's yeah. crazy. But it, I mean, even then it was limited because you would, you know, it wasn't, there was no streaming. There was no, you know, right. it was like you, they, people put up a couple free songs. So that's what you could grab. But it was I, I don't I don't mind those limitations. I think that like the unlimited yeah. music is great, but I don't know where to start. You're in you're floating in the sea. Yeah. You know, where do you where do you look? It's, it's the same thing that happened, I think, initially when we all started getting streaming services and you go to Netflix and you and your honey sit down or you and your partner sit down and it's like, What do you want to watch? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Let's turn the TV off. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's bone. Let's bone zone yes. right now. <laughs> which is always usually that's an inspiring yeah place if tv can take you there then you're stoked then you're in the right you're in the right area so um but yeah man it's funny because I, I that era i would have been stationed i was stationed in greece at the time and i was just oh, wow i would go into my little barracks room and it was it was nice because we had a wall up between so you you had some some privacy and i would just download spoon girls can tell and I remember that yeah. was the first time I heard Sufjan Stevens and um, I, I downloaded ISIS Oceanic and I'm sitting on an aircraft carrier just listening to From Sinking off Oceanic. Just like, yeah, this is fucking rad. <laughs> Nobody understands this, but cool. <laughs> but it was it was a great discovery period. Were you were you married at the in the early 2000s? Sarah. Yeah. Sarah Sanger and I got married in 2000 in oh, October wow. of 2000. So. 23 um, years now. 23 years, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was It was definitely like, I was, I, I had just gotten back from almost joining this major label band. No A shit. friend of mine from up here, um, from up, up Northern California, and he was living in Roanoke Park, and we were playing small shows together. His, he was in a band called Vast, V-A-S-T. Are you kidding and, me? Stop. No. <laughs> no. No, you know this band? Oh, my God. You just fucking blew the top of my head off. <laughs> I love it. Dude, um, I got so, married. Like, our wedding song was Flames. No shit. Yeah, so dude, yeah. So dude, vast, check, check this out. <laughs> dude, you're... Oh, my God. So this oh dude... Oh, my is, God. This dude, John Crosby, from <laughs> Vast, is from Fortuna, which is like four hours up north. He's from the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, and he, he and his mom moved down to Rona Park, and he started this band called vast and he had a demo tape and shit and he we played shows together the morticians and he played shows together the conspiracy and he played shows together and we shared a drummer uh, the conspiracy and vast for a little while and um he, we were friends we're, we'd stay up and make flyers and stuff and he was just a, like a prodigy metal guitar playing oh kid and God. he was younger than me a little bit that and then 
he fucking got signed to Electra Records off this demo. Yeah. And this dude got the, I'm not trying to tell tales out of school. He got rich. I'm just gonna put it that way. Oh yeah. No, I, I was do. Okay. So 96, 97, I heard that album in a believe in music and literally was like, this is the best fucking album I've ever heard. Who is this guy? He's got a godlike voice. The, the, I mean, I was a huge nine inch nails kid. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of the audience. Yeah. If you're a nine inch nails fan or, or like a, that was kind of you're in. Yeah. And it, but just the lush production, I, I'd never heard of the band. The, the, the artwork was so great. And I ended up actually seeing vast later on, but Oh my God, they, they've been a through line. That was on those mixed CDs. I sent to the, the love it. That's great. <laughs> we're even more so, connected than I thought here, buddy. This is insane. I, it, it really is. I love it. So actually I am, I sing on the second vast record. I uh, love that album. <laughs> music, yeah, music for the for people. people. So yeah. Yeah. So music for people, I sing backups on the first track and I sing backups on a couple other tracks. And I went to India with those guys to record strings because I'd been to India before in the nineties. And I was like, and I suggested to John, I'm like, you should go fucking record strings in India because you're spending so much money in LA for these symphonic players. Go to India. It's, you're going to have a different sound. You're going to get more players. It's going to have a better time. And so we went to, we went to Bombay for two weeks and recorded strings in India for that music for people record crazy and i was just a dorky petaluma dude in a ska band so what the fuck was i doing <laughs> i well you're a very likable human being and i could see i i don't know anything about john i i remember um being i mean i know tons of i know a lot of musicians who are like just enamored with the the vast stuff and i remember mm. I kept up with it up until probably I think there was an album called April that came out because I would go to the vast site and then try to I would download from the site because I think this is post his label Carson Daly label and then something mm-hmm. else happened. Um, the music was elusive for a while there because it yeah. was like he Electra he got he was he he did, did really well on Electra but he also spent a lot of money on Electra like I like I mentioned. We, mm-hmm. we went to India as a crew. <laughs> it was oh. expensive. Um, was, he was, had a, you know, he, he bought, he rented this house and had a studio in his house, like a live-in engineer for that record. So it was just like the, it was piling up. The, yeah. the charges were piling up. And I, get that. I think those records are great. Like, I truly think music for people is a great record. I do too. And um, I was very stoked to be a part of it. I just got a vinyl copy for what, like three record store days ago. I can't believe it came out. I was so stoked. That's awesome. I, yeah. But, um, so yeah, that I had that little connection, and then I moved to LA and was gearing up to play in that band, to play guitar in that band. And I'm not a guitar player, and I'm not even I, I'm not going to pretend like I was going to get good at it either. I was just trying to like be in this band and hang out with my friend John and play music, yeah, um, and go on tour and have a great time on a bus. I've still never in my life done a bus tour. It almost it almost came together, but uh, instead oh, I I instead I was like the business of it all. They're like, okay, well you can audition with all these other LA guitar players. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want to, I know, I I know where I'm good at. I don't want to be a guitar player in Los Angeles competing with other guitar players. I, (laughs) I think you chose, I mean, I, I I don't want to overstep my, my reach or, or, or assume anything, but I think, you know, I think for what happened and what you were able to do from what I can tell, from what I've gathered, from what I've gotten to know of you, and and I feel like I do, other than us knowing each other from our bands and and me listening to your podcast, I feel like I have a pretty good gr- grasp of who you are, and I think you 
probably chose the right path. Thank you. I think so too. And I think like, you know, I feel like more often than not, a lot of the the musicians that I know, and I'm sure the musicians, you know, um, who've, who've been, what would many people would say like super successful in their craft, um, are not always the happiest people. Sure. And tend to be very, um, conflicted about things like they, they, it's like one of my favorite things to do when I'm hanging out with like my bandmates or even just discussing like kind of like the, the path and what we're currently doing or what we're going to do next is kind of like, you know, hypothetically, like if you were to, to look back and, and say like, if you could have chose like differently, would you have? And I feel like, nine times out of 10, the guys who haven't necessarily hit that stratosphere are usually like so much happier. Yeah. Just, I mean, I can, I I think that I never got burnout on playing music or touring because I've never relied on it to make a living. Yeah. So like, I've never been like, that's, I think that's been my secret to like staying in involved, present and excited about playing music is that it's always the thing I do for enjoyment. And there was a little time there where I was trying to make a living playing music. And that was probably the most stressful time of my damn life. Yeah. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I wasn't excited about it. And so I got a job in a warehouse and I all of a sudden got excited about it again. Yeah. So, you know, it's <laughs> like, I would just look forward to coming back and playing music. You know, it's like I do art for a living these days and I enjoy my job very much. And I love drawing and I love doing design. But the last thing I fucking want to do when I get off work is draw or you know, sit in front of a computer and design something. Right. So unless I have a project that needs designing, I'm not, I'm, you know, that's what I do all day. I feel the same with music. If that was what I did for a living, it would not be enjoyable as it is now. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about it in a way that it would have boundaries. It would have to be commercial in some way. And that's the antithesis of what I've I've always done. I have zero commercial bands because I, and they've, (laughs) and and they've uh, are, and I've been rewarded as such. You have. <laughs> and I mean, I have, I, I have very small audiences that give a shit rather than a big audience that could care less. And uh, yes. And, and that, and that shows when you do your best work when you love what you do. So yeah, for sure. Um, now you, you almost go off with John Crosby and vast, which again is, I, that is, you stopped my heart when I heard that. I, I can't even believe you've ever heard of that band. Truthfully. Like that's another one that's crazy. Like, Dude, most people I would talk to if they didn't live with me or you know live in this town at the same time they wouldn't they barely know I'm like oh you know remember from the, the fucking the, the island trailer <laughs> or whatever that DiCaprio movie was oh the trailer. beach the beach yeah the beach yeah, thank you I love the oh my god no I I I was obsessed with John Crosby like everything about that album I, like there was a there was a hair in time where I was like this guy is the next like guru like Trent Reznor I understand his influences but there was something perfect about those and and I cannot believe I love that first track like I used oh, to yeah. blast that in my Ford Thunderbird on the way to work <laughs> to Papa John's deliver pies to people just lift me high you know like you and 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 lo and behold you're in the background and it's like holy shit um I love it that's crazy yeah, Jesus Christ, small world. Um, not only that, but like you had him as a guest on uh, Forever Midnight. I was blasting cursive on that Eric 
aircraft carrier as well too like listening oh, yeah. to that See, stuff that's the thing like that was another one that was that was an interesting one for me like we i was a huge as soon as i heard cursive and my friend michael from benton falls turned me on to cursive he made me a tape that was cursive on one side and i wish i on the other side i don't know if you know this other emo band and i was like it was that second cursive record the such blinding stars no yeah is that right yeah this the storms of early summer storms of early summer semantics of song that's the one Oh my and god. And some of the songs off that. But that second record, holy shit. It's I had never heard anything like it. It's bangers. Front to back bangers. I front to back bangers. Yeah. That that was that was another album that was on repeat while I'm listening to Forever Midnight during my divorce. Like the, the Tim oh, yeah. got me through the depressive state <laughs> with <laughs> divorce domestica album, but like also early Storms of Early Summer was like it was like a way to channel the the frustration of that relationship ending. And like, I have nothing but sweet things to say about that man's work too. So it's like, Oh, same here. Yeah. Same here. And I, and I was such a huge fan. And I remember on that wonder years tour, it was like 2001, maybe when I came through Omaha, we played the cog factory in Omaha and I saw this article. It was like cursive breaks up. And I was like, what the fuck? I just got into this band and they break up so mad. And yeah. then, um, and then they got back together with Domestica, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is even better than before." We luckily got to perform with them. They came to our town because they were, oh, you know, not wow. that not a big band. So during, uh, I think it was, shit, Burst and Bloom came out before the uh, Ugly Organ, right? Yes, yeah, that's so the it was during, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. During Burst and Bloom, when they were touring, the Wonder Years and Benton Falls played with them. And then eventually again, when they came back through, oh, I think it was the deal was they were on tour with this band called Eastern Youth, this really great Japanese band. Oh, nice. And then Tim had a medical emergency because he's got shitty lungs. So oh. um, <laughs> he ended up having, Cursive had to drop off this tour, but they had this Japanese band in, in California, like ready to play shows. And so we got a call from our friend Kenji, who is a Japanese man who lives in LA and said, the Velveteen might want to play these shows. So we jumped on and like played some like just to have some band and some shows for them to play we played all the what cursive was supposed to play and that eventually kind of got in good with cursive for that reason oh, we're like wow. holy shit and then we met cursive we played shows with them we eventually the velvet team went to europe with them for six weeks which is our first time in europe and then we went and went to japan with them and it's crazy Jesus. and this is actually i think it was, it was actually the good life and then cursive kind of inter back and forth back and forth so so for a while there it was they were the band i'd seen more than any other band because i'd spent six weeks with them in europe and a couple in japan and all over the u.s it was great so you become close with cursive you go on this big tour now the velveteen let's talk about that so you sure is that the first band that you went like international and like we're on releases oh, yeah. and everything like like sure. on a uh, label right? per se. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We had a small label. Well, the, I joined the band because I, I knew Judah Nagler from, we were both bass players and singers in ska bands that played in Petaluma. That's oh, nice. happened to be, that's the town we're from. And we were both playing shows together and kind of being influenced by each other and played a lot of shows together. And then as soon as his band he split up and, my band split up um our ska band split up he went on to do some really interesting shit with a couple other bands and then his solo stuff blew me away it was like it was like had 80s vibes and it was new wave and it was indie rock and it was all these crazy things i really wanted to like 
now ju- be a part of it. I feel like I'm confusing him in my head. Is he's not the singer for for well? Is there another guy in the same area as you who was the singer for Far? My com- oh, that's yeah, that's that dude Jonah Matrenga is uh, from Sacramento, and um, yeah, okay, I, I ain't got nothing to say about that guy, but <laughs> okay. my friend Judah. <laughs> All right, my friend Judah. They're far enough away; they're not really from the same town. We've had we've we played with them. We played some fun shows with them. Okay, with one line drawing and those guys. Yeah, right on, right on, right on. Whatever, that guy sucks. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) most part, um, sides. Real quick side story: We're we're, we've been covering so much stuff, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. My my daughter is fourteen, almost fifteen. Mm-hmm. And she listens to a lot of the same. Like she, she has a vast sweater up or a vast hoodie awesome. upstairs. Um, no joke. I'll send you a picture sometime. Um, but also, like she's been getting into a lot of the bands you mentioned, like the '80s, like The Cure, and um, mm-hmm. she just really got into the Smiths. And oh, yeah. we're, we're sitting there tonight. We're having dinner, and she turns her phone around and shows it to me, and shows me like a picture of Morrissey, like a younger picture, and she's like, "He was just so handsome," and I. I I looked at the picture because she's 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 getting like like heart eyes for this for this man and I go, you know, honey, the older you, I, I would say stay in that phase. He's also probably not your type. I'm just gonna say. And she like immediately googles. She's like, oh oh no oh no. <laughs> I was oh like, no! Things were so much easier before the internet was on your phone. Yeah, didn't it was so much better when you learned that Morrissey wasn't your type as a young woman for other reasons besides he's a racist piece of shit. <laughs> I know. That's the worst part about now. But it's I like, know it's, it's a hard thing to reconcile. I mean, I'm a you're talking to a huge Morrissey fan, huge yeah. R. Kelly fan. You know, it's hard. At least it's hard when you your heroes fucking flop out. At least Prince died like a hero. You know, like, he, he's so fucking talented. And I was watching the, um, cause I go through this phase every, every year where I'll listen to a lot of Bowie and Prince has one of my favorite YouTube videos ever where he's, I think it's like a rock and roll hall of fame where he's playing, like just ripping a solo to, uh, while my guitar gently weeps. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, It's amazing. I always, I sent that to everybody after he passed, but ugh. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, he was, no, it's true. He was, he was, he is definitely my musical hero mm-hmm. and he was, and I, I've read a lot and I've, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm still pretty Prince obsessed. Yeah. I just got this huge tome that's just called all the songs and it's literally every song he ever did and the story behind it. Oh wow! So it's, it's a wild book and I'm, I'm learning all kinds of stuff that you don't see on Kindle books because it's got a pictures and it's got little side notes. It's a, it's a great one. I'd recommend it. So kids for, were saying, Listen to Prince and don't Google Morrissey. That's what we're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I, I, I take back all the R. Kelly stuff. Don't you could leave that out. I was, I was such a fan and that's, uh, it's such a hard, I mean, I, I, I'll never listen again. It's a bummer. It, it's a, it is a bummer, but you know, the good news is there's guys like you playing music and, and so, so I'm sorry. I, and I'm, I'm leading you all over the place. I'm fanboying about out too much tonight and that's my bad. <laughs> so you're so nice. I, there's here. I, I think so the Velveteen, I'll go back to the Velveteen. Yes. Yes. Yes, to, yes. Yes. Put it where we are. So the Velveteen was a band that was just my friend Judah and his friend Logan. And they were all in different bands that we all played together. There's little tin frog, tin circus, the conspiracy. We played shows together a lot. 
And then all the bands disbanded and we all kind of found each other and started playing as a three piece um, and got a label, pretty much the first label that I was, that was, I mean, I was, the other bands that were on small labels, like Wonder Years and Adeline, tiny little labels, but this is the first label where someone really invested their time and they, they booked our tours and they really, they really put their heart and soul behind our music. And that, made it easy for us to be able to tour. This label is called Slow Dance Records. They're based out of Portland. Great roster, very art-driven label. They had a band called Roots of Orcus who were amazing. They did just all small, interesting bands. Um, that band, Silver Scooter. Mm. Am I, am I, am I, no, I'm thinking of Sterling Silver. This band called Sterling Silver, who is a band that did really well from San Diego. Um, not Silver Scooter. I, I thought it was a, the silver threw me. It's not the curse of connection, <laughs> but it was a different, a different band, but a lot of cool bands from San Diego is where the guys are originally from. And um, he put his heart and soul behind our band and made it easy for us to tour the U S a couple times on our own. Um, he invested money in us to record with uh, Chris Walla <coughs> with death cap for cutie. That oh, is wow. the, that the, the guitar player and producer of that band. And on the heels of that, we did a big death cab tour with the thermals around the time they were doing the photo album. And it was just a really easy, like easy magical time for that band. So at the same time, we, the guy who put us on tour with Eastern youth, he was the, he ran a label here in Southern California. Um, he brought us to Japan. He put wow. the deal together and get to get our, our first LP put out in Japan at a time when, you know, the internet wasn't huge. It wasn't like everything hadn't blown up to the part where every band in the world was going to Japan, but it was, it was huge for us. We'd never been, we never imagined we'd go. And in 2003, we went there and we went for a few years after that too. And in total up till 2017, we went like seven, seven tours. Wow. Which is huge for, for our band. And, um, we did better there and we did in the States for a while. So it's, um, what was that like was, for you oh. to be in a band like that and playing like a big crowd and, and just experiencing that? Was that like life changing? It, it was great. It was life changing. I didn't go. I mean, 2003, I was 30 years old. I didn't mm. go to Japan until I was 30, which is, I mean, I've, I've, I'm happy for that. You know, if I'd gone as like a 19 year old, I'd be a jaded idiot by the time I was 25. You would have broke up the band. Exactly. <laughs> no, um, gone but, solo, but yeah, in, in Japan. Um, but it, it's a band. I mean, the Velveteen's been a band since 2000, so it's 23 years of this band. Wow! This year, it's totally crazy. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. But it's and it's we changed members once. We had we added a well, our drummer got sick, and um, we ha- swapped out drummers for a couple tours, and then eventually our drummer Logan passed away in 2006. Oh, I'm sorry and, to hear that. Which was yeah, it was it was hard. It was really hard, but. Um, so, but it's been a three piece and with, with a couple additional members occasionally here and there, essentially family and friends we've known forever, which will join in occasionally. Do you ever occasionally go, you know, we could add, I, I have a history in um, writing music. I could, we could add some horns. Oh, we fun. do it. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, the old, the trombone player that played in my old ska band arranges strings and horns for our records. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love how that stuff works out like that. Yeah, I mean he, that it's his that's his side hustle considering the dude plays with fucking Dead and Co. So, oh, okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's doing he's doing all right. 
that's I that yeah I remember um I was a huge fan of this one band I think they were called like the Joy Circuit because it was a guy from National Skyline oh yeah who paired up with the guys from uh I think it was because it was Failure it was Ken Andrews they made You're the Rabbit but I was obsessed with National Skyline and then You're the Rabbit was Failure and National Skyline kind of compressing and then well, You're the Rabbit split off and some of the guys put out this incredible ep that i was obsessed with i was like this Mm -hmm. band is like the next u2 and then the bass player left and now he's playing in like what was it it was like i don't know it was something crazy like the doobie brothers or or i think it was sting (laughs) something crazy not sting because sting plays bass but like it was something like that it was just like what the fuck like it's crazy when that happens huh yeah we played to the we played to the dude. Our friend Matt played in this band called Action Design, which is our the Velveteens' original drummer Logan's little sister, who was in Tsunami Bomb. Mm-hmm. She had a band called Action Design, and and he was playing bass. And then all of a sudden, he dipped and joined Hoobastank, <laughs> and was, and flew to every show. Like, what in the fuck? How did you do that? <laughs> That's. I mean, I love the guy. He lives like, literally down the street from me. And I, but for a little while there, motherfucker was flying to fucking stadium shows in Buddha's <sighs> tank. Just blasting the reason out to adoring yes. fans. <laughs> for oh, sure. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's awesome. I mean, you get those opportunities. I, I would never blame anyone for, oh. for joining Hoobas tank. That's a sick journey. That, I mean, <laughs> I, I gotta assume it's not going to be too complicated and and you know you get those air miles in who knows it could be yeah, a f- dude give me give me those hoobastank bass lines i want to play those i want i just want to give it to me i mean there, there's there been a couple of little things i mean i've been able to do a couple of things like that oh um, that's nice when i in a in 2003 the Vel, my, the new trust which is a band i i was like okay i love i love my band the velveteen it's a great band we're doing great things mm-hmm. we're touring all over and this, I started my own band, The New Trust, before before the first Japanese trip of the Velveteen. I just wanted to start something that was a little more like uh, upbeat, and I, I was like, it was I was writing really really short songs, and because the Velveteen was writing really really long songs, and I'm like, let's just do I just want to do this weird pop shit on my own. And my wife and I started this band together, and um, at that time we we from just connections from other things like I, Adeline played to this band called Sunday's Best a lot. And then Pedro from Sunday's Best started this band called The Jealous Sound with oh. Blair from Knapsack. And then in 2003, Pedro, I think, thought my wife was cute. So he asked us to go on tour with The Jealous Sound. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we my, went out. You'll meet that. when you come out yeah. here, you'll meet Casey. She's like been the co host for this show too. And like she's my partner now. And it's the, I, I would not put it past the fact that I'm sure there'll be people who meet my partner and be like, yeah, you guys can hang out. I'm just sitting here with my Genesis Yes shirts on, like, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it went. And then we got on this tour with this band called The Jealous Sound, who, were, who I'd gotten to see on tour with the Wonder Years. And I, they, they and Death Cab were on tour together. The first time I saw either band was revelatory because yeah. I had, like, had I'd always heard about Death Cab for Cutie. I pictured them as a very much a tougher band. Yeah. <laughs> with a name like that. Yeah. And then in the same way that I pictured Planes Mistaken for Stars, if I think Planes Mistaken for Stars and Death Cab for Cutie have their fucking names mixed up. I, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when I saw Planes, I was like, holy shit, this isn't a fucking a bunch of twee idiots and cardigans. This is the toughest band I've ever seen. Yeah. And 
Death Cab, a band called Death Cab for Cutie. You'd picture a tougher band, but they were still great. I still hadn't, when I saw them, I had never seen a band that sounded like them. Um, but they played with the Jealous Sound in Chicago at the Fireside, and I got to peep that show oh, in 2001 nice. and was blown away by just Blair's voice and from, from, uh, from Jealous Sound. And then eventually, after that big fun tour that we did, um, their bass player split and they asked me to join the Jealous Sound, oh, which was that's insane like too. A dream come true. A huge band that I love very much, and whose songs I already know back and forth. Um, it was kind of a clutch, fun thing to jump on and and do and get to know Blair and Pedro that way. It was killer. I that was another band I downloaded. I, I there's so many CDs I downloaded for free back in the day. Oh yeah, you were featured in. <laughs> um, wow, that's crazy. So. So you, you you got to do that. You got the Velveteens obviously still kicking. That's awesome. When yeah. you started, well, I, mean, I think I was I was hedging my bets. Like I was in these two bands. One of them, the 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 our homie from Benton Falls, Michael, was in the New Trust for the first four years of our band, and he he had played minus the Bears first show with his band. So that when minus the Bear came, we hooked that show up. You know, so we were there was all these great wow. bands forming at the same time. So we played Minus the Bears' first couple shows, and and I would, if the New Trust couldn't play it, the Velveteen would play it. I'd still be there waiting in the wings, like, oh, well, we can't do it, but we can do it. That's so awesome. I would jump on all these shows, and it was crazy how it happened, because there was there was that band, there was Casket Lottery, these great bands <sighs> from, the, from all over. We got to play with uh, these, who else? There's so many great bands. So I many mean, great bands. That's the era, too. For me, I mean... There's probably, and in, in knowing that I was a huge fan of Litany for the Whale and listening to that at the time, like, cause that, that, that was like, in, in my, in my town, it was kind of like all the post hardcore bands, like, uh, in our area were, were, were driving a lot. I mean, obviously I mentioned ISIS was like the big heavy band that everybody seemed to love and mm-hmm. Colesque and, um, I'm trying to think. I, I go blank on. This. I mean, Converge was a big, big, big influence. A lot of metal. A lot of, lot of really cold guys getting angry and screaming. Yeah, that's um, a that's a fun. That's an interesting thing because I know the coalesce dudes are like also get up kids dudes. Am I wrong? Yeah. There's some like there's yeah, like a yeah. D- d- connection in there that is like how the hell is Reggie also in coalesce? That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it is one of those things. It's like, but the, I think it's that like with you in having going from the ska band to, to something a bit more rocking kind of uh, straightforward. I think people generally like to have something completely different than maybe their main thing or their side thing. If, if you get what I mean, like you don't necessarily I, I fully get it. Yeah. yeah. I fully get it. I mean, that is kind of like how that is. I think that's a really, really f- great way to keep interested in, in music and performance and, and playing is that there's another band I, I play in and have recorded with since shit, 2007, 2008 band called Loma Prieta from San Francisco. And they're like a very heavy duty death wish band. And they're louder than any music I ever listened to on my voluntarily. Um, but when I'm <laughs> I might get you, but I, but I've known this, the singer of that band since we were children. So we, We've been playing together forever. And he was like, I want to have a voice that is not my voice on this record. So I'll ask Josh because he sings in bands and he's got, we need pretty voice. So they brought Aww. me in for one record. So sweet. And then we perform the songs together live. And then eventually they had me in on another record. And now it's like three records in and this next tour that they're doing, I'm playing bass and singing 
a few songs. Which so is going to be super which fun. It's going to be awesome. And I guess this will be the first time to mention this. Josh will be in our fair city of Grand Rapids, July 3rd, Independence mm. Day Eve, rocking the Pyramid right. Scheme. And I love Pyramid Scheme. Speaking of Rick. Oh, well, not only yeah. that, but like Jeff Vandenberg, the guy that runs it, it's such a perfect venue name for uh, for, for Grand Rapids, the home headquarters of Amway. Um, yeah, we have a great art community here. Uh, I'm I'm super stoked for you to come back into town. Um, I'm stoked to be back. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Grand Rapids. We, I, I was so fortunate to have a connection there when our drummer moved out there and we got to spend some time, you know, writing and recording a record out there. I love it there. It's yeah. cool. It's it's fun. I mean, again, like I said, it gets cold. People start yelling. Um, people forget how to, <laughs> to merge and um, things get slippy. But for the most part now, it's like the perfect time, perfect time to come through. And we like I know you said you 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 do work at a brewery. I and, do. Yeah. Yeah. So my main my main job is doing uh, I'm the art director at this brewing company. That, so we, you know, all the labels, all the stuff for festivals all the shirts all the merch all that stuff it's a fun job i love it and yes. it's start started by music homies i know like i mentioned one of the founders is is the founding drummer of litany for the whale that's awesome and he and he's a, just an amazing friend and i've known him forever and we play music together and yeah it's a cool guy and i, I support those guys 100 percent. that's so cool so it's it's nice to have a job that you enjoy and and believe in and uh and that supports the shit out of me whenever I need to go on tour. They're like, well, whatever. As long as the job gets done, you do what you got to do. Yeah, for sure. So with um, now you said you you played with your friend and in, in the and now correct me if I'm if I mispronounce this Lama Peretta. Is that right? Oh, that it's it's not Ryan. Uh, it's not right. <laughs> oh, it's very it. very mispronounced. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. It, no, it's not a problem. It's, unless you live in like Northern California, it's hard to actually get it right. Since the the huge earthquake in '89, it was on the Loma Prieta. Um, Prieta, Prieta is it means dark mountain. In okay, Spanish. all right. <laughs> and it's the, it's a huge fault line that goes through San Francisco. So when we're so familiar with it, because in '89 the earthquake was the Loma Prieta earthquake. And it was uh, it was devastating. So it's like it's one of those things that Northern Californians know really well. Uh, but Sean named his band after it because it is he's got memories of it being full blown chaos, and um, that's what the band sounds like. That I mean, it looks awesome. I may have pronounced yeah. it wrong, but I appreciate. It's the- no problem. I, I'm joking <laughs> with you. It's it's, it's obviously a, a tricky one to get. You can just call it Loma. That's what everyone else calls it. I think I called it llama there, so my bad. But um, so a couple questions before I, because I'll I'll let you adjourn and I got to get some kids up in the morning. So I wanted to ask you, so before we end, uh, first question. Yes. Uh, If you could see any band alive or dead at any venue, who would the band be and where? Oh, now this is a loaded one. Oh boy. Any band at any venue, you know, I would, I would love to have seen suburban lawns. Okay. At the new wave theater recording space. Okay. 
I don't know if you're familiar with any of that shit. No, but <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure somebody listening is like, fuck yeah. I love this guy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. That band? Uh they're just this like early eighties band that that didn't do much, but they were fascinating to me. I'm so semi obsessed. Okay. And uh or I would have loved to have seen I would say that's that's one that came to mind because it's just an impossibility, but yeah. um, I would have loved to have seen Prince and the Revolution play in Minneapolis in eighty four, eighty five. That would have been that would have been clutch. That would have been yeah. Um, and then last question. So, in uh, you obviously you've had the ska band, you've had the um the new trust, you've had the Velveteen, Loma. Pireta? Um, Prieta. Prieta. Ah, Prieta. Um, Prieta. Um, okay. If you had your opportunity to try out any style of music or a new vent- musical venture, what would you like to try? Hmm. Well, I've ventured into like the synth world a little bit with solo project I've been doing. Um, and that's that's kind of where my brain wants to go is like just do like these layered layered four tracky kind of things mm-hmm. but i think in reality if i could choose one thing that i've never done and is intimidating and terrifying it is directing a large group of orchestral musicians Ooh. it's something i've have been able to have small strings involved in things but i think that kind of powerful crazy serious music is something i'd love to eventually tackle i think you will you got Thank the, you. you got the drive and and you've been crushing it and all the other facets i i think you got it in you i mean and bringing it back around too with your podcast did you do the opening music to the show was that you that orchestrated that i did yes so that was um a good friend of mine named hoos who is a a film producer and director and actor himself asked me to jump on board and do a pilot for a show that he was pitching he's like he's in the film world and so i i did this music for a short film that he did called warning which is really still great fascinating like almost no dialogue at all wow. and it was 15 minutes and so i wrote this long score to it but it was just really like i wrote it on bass and i my mom plays cello like i mentioned yeah and so yeah. she played cello on it and she played all the strings on it my friend paul who sang on some my solo stuff and has recorded a lot of our shit he sang or he played drums and my dear friend elliot who is the brother of the velveteen's original drummer played trombone so there's like all that stuff is you know, it's 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 me and my mom, Paul, Elliot, and it's just layered. And we recorded it in my friend's house, and it was um, a great experience. Eventually, that thing didn't go where anyone wanted it to. It didn't didn't take off. Mm. And then there, I was like, "Well, what are you doing with that song? I got a podcast I'm starting up. Can I have it back?" And so they let me take just a section of it to make that theme out of, and I love it. And that was I I love those sounds. You know, it sounds it's grandiose and it's, I wouldn't want to do like when I say I want to do orchestral shit, I don't have serious classical music composition like goals, but I would just like to do contemporary fun music with those instruments. Do you, do you have any like favorite composers, like modern composers or old timey? Not really. Like, (laughs) like, I mean, I don't, I love the shit that Claire Fisher did with Prince's music. He was a string arranger and conductor who worked with Shaka Khan and these other great, great R&B artists in the 70s and 80s. Um, I love his string arrangements. I love this group called Shelly and Orphan, who are like a Sony Columbia 
thing that the first time I ever saw them was opening for the cure in 1989 Oh wow! on the disintegration tour. And I was like, <sighs> I got their record and I was like, Oh shit. This, they were like a full on orchestral pop band. And, um, then, so I just like that. I mean, I just love those. I love strings in contemporary like pop music. Yeah. And I would love to do something like that. Um, I think I'd like to do more of that. I think, I think it'll happen. I believe in you, Thanks, sir. Man. Thank you. Hey, I'm, I'm your biggest Michigan mailman fan right here. So <laughs> I'm excited to see you in a few weeks. This yeah, be man. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, thank you for coming on the show. I oh, really, pleasure, I really appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully in the future we can talk, uh, something else, uh, on this program, if you're willing to come on, uh, you are a fascinating individual. I am still, my mind is still blown by the vast connection. So I'm going to have to, my mind is blown that you even heard of that group before in your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so rare that some, I mean, our connections, you and I, Ryan are just, are ridiculous. I feel like maybe we might've been brothers in another life or something crazy. Well, to, I haven't even gotten to talk to you about that fucking yes shirt. I, I said I would talk about it, and I'm just the biggest Chris Squire fan in the fucking world. If it, my brother, that's basic roundabout is why my brother is pl- playing the bass today. So, oh man, there I got to see I got to see him with Chris uh, before he passed away. Just like maybe, well, I guess it was like almost ten years ago now. But oh, wow. Chris is one of the most unbelievable bass players. You ever get into that solo record, the Fish I, Out of Water record? I should. I should. I, I, my dad. If you like that era, you'll love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, it's, it's all out there, folks. And you should mm-hmm. listen to The New Trust, and you should listen to The Velveteen. You should listen to Loma Preda. That's right. I you stumbled into it, maybe. You got it, yeah. <laughs> so they have a new record coming out in just a couple weeks here. I and think they, it comes out on the 30th of June, So, and I, and I sing on a lot of songs on it. Perfect. And they will be here in this city, July 3rd, 2023 at the Pyramid Scheme in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mark your calendars, folks. Josh is a great guy. Thanks again for being Thank on. Thank you so much for having me, dude. I appreciate it. I feel like I literally didn't scratch the surface with the <laughs> bands I actually play in. But we'll, you know, have me on again. We'll talk about the new trust again. <laughs> yes. Somewhat. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I it, love it. Thank you. It's a conversational thing. So like much like your show. So I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Have a great one.
This has been a presentation of Beer City Media.